Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. From the Wollongong Golf Club, Saturdays in the Gong, sandwiched neatly between the Saturday set with Mick Gannon and Nick Ashman. Hope you found a winner there. And the Mowers Club on 11.70 at 9am in Sydney. You can also get us from 8 to 10 on Illawarra SEN Track 15.75. Good morning, lads. We've got the dream team here today, the Moses Leota of the Saturdays in the Gong. He takes all the big hits, the big carries. The support runs. Mitch Jennings from the Illawarra Mercury. Good morning, mate. Yep, just as formidable, mate, as well, as people would say. <laughs> I'm standing by. Come on, who am I? Yeah, <laughs> you know it's coming. The captains of the Saturdays in the Gong, the Nathan Cleary. Take me with you, boys. I'll carry you to the finish line. Good morning to Fox Sports, Matty Russell. G'day, Baz. Hello, Mitch. Beautiful morning. I thought it was going to be cold, wet and overcast. It's shining bright. It's a beautiful morning. As Belinda Carlisle once sang, heaven is a place on <laughs> earth here at Wollongong Golf Club. Thanks to our sponsors, Avcon, specialing in industrial and response projects. Find Ryan Burke at the team at avconprojects.com.au. Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. And the Illawarra Mercury. Subscribe at illawarramercury.com.au. Well, we've heard about it all week, boys. Let's just touch on it again. One of, if not the greatest grand final of all time. They were down, they were out, they were torn apart by Ezra Mam, and then they came back from the dead thanks to Nathan Cleary. Penrith got it done. Yeah, they did. It was incredible. It was just incredible, wasn't it? I know people are comparing it to the other ones, and I was there in 2015, and people have compared it to that, but people sort of forget the way that game played out. The, the second half of that game was Brisbane were doing that tactic of just belting it into touch and trying to tackle their way to victory, so the way that half played out probably wasn't as enthralling, and then it got exciting at the end. This one was just from the jump, just so impressive to me. I know people have, have just waxed lyrical about Nathan Cleary, and rightly so, all week, but I just thought he cast off. The, the the last knock on him was he was a little bit in that Cooper Cronk class when you compared him to an Andrew Johns or a Jonathan Thurston. He, he never quite had the exuberance or that out and out, take the game by the throat view of Andrew Johns. He didn't have the flair and everything else that Jonathan Thurston had. He was almost like the knock on Cleary was that he was just this high performance vehicle built with high performance parts and he didn't have the ability to adjust on the run and play off the back foot and, and everything else. He was just a driver of a Ferrari. But you saw on the weekend, he loses Luai, loses his ball playing Lock Yo in the middle. Nowhere to go. He's chasing points. And the plays he came up with, it just showed there's... We always... What marked Joey, what marked Jonathan Thurston with all their attributes was the dog they had in him. And they wore that on their sleeve. Clearly he doesn't quite wear it on his sleeve in the same way. But the way he competed and got his side home there, 
There's a bulldog in Nathan Cleary, Matty Russell. Absolutely. Was it the greatest grand final? That's recency bias. I spoke to Stephen Blocker-Roach about this to start the week. He pointed to 73 when Bob Fulton was tearing Cronulla apart. You go to 77, 78. We had drawn grand finals that in those days were replayed. I remember vividly my favourite grand final still, 89, the Canberra comeback. 97, Darren Albert going over. Brilliant. I loved 2015. So I'm just happy to say that in 2023, we saw one of the great grand finals. I enjoyed it for what it was, a great game of footy. You don't have to put it on top or second or third. Just say it as it is. It was one of the great grand finals, one of the great grand final performances because for 20 minutes, Nathan Cleary owned the world and he just continues on a trajectory that as a 25-year-old, by the time he retires... At earliest, 32, maybe 35, perhaps even beyond. Well, Joey, Cooper Cronk, they all went to... That, sorry, not right. Joey, sorry, Jonathan Thurston went to 35. Clearly, yeah. he's a resilient type and, and he loves the game. There's no reason he can't play for another 10 years plus. By the time he retires on this trajectory, he will be in immortal discussion, absolutely. I have no doubt. Barring some catastrophic in, injury, uh, Nathan Cleary uh, will retire as a man who needs only time to become an immortal. I think the thing about Nathan Cleary too is he's a structured player, whereas you know we, we think back about a lot of the greats that they, they played by feel, you know, they, they were architects, but they, they just had that unique bit of magic and bit of touch. And I'm not saying Cleary doesn't have a bit of magic in him, but he's, he's such a structured player in a really structured team. And whether that sets him apart, it's, it just makes him a point of difference among those greats. You know what we're going to see too? What is, oh, I don't know if we will see it. If eventually part of this Penrith team breaks up, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, if a Jerome Luai goes elsewhere and if he goes off a cliff or if uh, Dylan Edwards has been locked down. But I always thought if he went somewhere else, would they lift the other team's sort of fortunes? And I think that is a way you would see how good Nathan Cleary is because he's, all, you know, you take them out of that system. Can I talk about Adam Reynolds? Just, just you, before you do, I want to come back to your, you, your point there about maybe Luai leaving. Uh, we don't know that yet. And, and even if he does, they have, uh, I, I, I've got it written down somewhere, seven, eight, nine players locked away until the end of 25, 26, 27. They have the core of a premiership winning team for years and years to come. Would you back against them now to win four in a row, Mitch? I wouldn't because I actually think, you know, if they do keep Luai, I think they're in a better position at this time to go back-to-back back next year than they were at this time last year to go back-to-back back this year when you're talking about Coruscant and kicking these guys that were leaving. Obviously, Crichton's moving on, and he was a close, close second to, to Nathan Cleary in that one. nursery in the world. They'll have other players so, come yeah, through I, I think they they're in a better position. Years. I think they're in a better position to go back-to-back back this time than they were the previous two well, times. There you go. They might before you get to Adam Reynolds, I guess, to finish that point, I was thinking about when, when Crichton came up with those couple of big plays. Now, as a Bulldogs fan, I'm wearing my Terry Lamb T-shirt. He's going to the Bulldogs next year and I was thinking how good's this we're going to have him in the team next year but then I thought how do we beat these guys even without the Crichtons you know we've got the kick outs the Burton's already come to the Bulldogs I kept looking at this game and thinking yeah and of course they're all up it's it's the the excitement of a grand final and everything that goes with it but I just thought how do teams like the St George Illawarra Dragons down here at Wynn Stadium the Bulldogs let alone the Tigers beat these teams next year. Because they're they're poles apart, aren't they? They are poles apart. I don't think you start with that aim. I really honestly don't think you do. I think your aim becomes 
like it always is, top four, get there and give yourself a puncher's chance. I think that's all anyone else other than those two sides is competing for next year, and we've seen that come off before. I don't think you even, I don't think anyone is naive enough or silly enough, any of those other clubs, to come out going, all right, this is Mission beat Penrith, Mission beat Brisbane. That's a recipe for disaster if yeah. you're doing that, particularly from, from the jump. I don't think any club even aims for that until they you know, all things going to plan, get to a final, a prelim or a grand final against one of those two sides and and actually contemplating how to do it then. Do it then. Don't bother doing it in, in November. <laughs> so well, after 9 o'clock, we're going to localise it as an Illawarra show. We'll have it 15.75 on SEN Track Illawarra. We're going to talk about St George Illawarra, where they're at, Shane Flanagan coming in, and just look to the future for them. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing next year the bottom three teams, huge supporter bases, Canterbury, West Tigers, St George Illawarra. It, this has been an amazing year for the NRL, for rugby league. One of the best I can remember. Started in the heat, finished in the heat, a brilliant quality in between. All the indicators out of head office were, were the right sort of indicators. Imagine what's going to happen if those huge clubs, huge supported clubs, Dragons, Tigers, Bulldogs, rebound and, and have, a, have a good season. It'll go to a new level. And maybe Stephen Crichton's going to be the tipping point at the Bulldogs because you're right, they've taken Burton from Penrith hasn't improved them, taken Kikau from Penrith, hasn't improved them, had any number of other recruits, haven't yet improved. You'd hope that sooner or later there's going to be a player that takes them past the tipping point and it all works. M- maybe, maybe 2024. South, you throw South in that too, Matty, now, I yeah. think, as well, because they missed the finals. And those three clubs that were the bottom three this year, they're going at different stages, different approaches. The Bulldogs are buying their way back, and that's stage two or three of wherever they're along in the last couple of years. Obviously, Blake Taft comes into that. Bronson Jerry comes back from his drugs ban, so he's a bit of an X factor there. Their back line is stacked if they get it right. The Dragons are kind of at base camp, aren't they? They're, they're at the point where Shane Flanagan's going to... They're looking the, for more Sherpas. Hit the reset button, <laughs> and the, the Sherpas need to drag them out of the mire. But they're probably a stage or two behind. And that's not to say that Shane Flanagan can't get instant results, because if he, if he can make Ben Hunt happy and get two good years out of him, well, who knows? You know, they, they still might be around the edge of the eight. The Tigers, well, all hell's breaking loose there. We might touch on that later. Um, but... To go back to your point about Adam Reynolds, um, Geno, I mean, it was only a couple of years where the Broncos were right there where those teams like the Bulldogs and the Dragons were, and having Adam Reynolds on board has given them such stability. I know they've got great players around them, but, you know, they were five, ten minutes away from a premiership. Absolutely, and I think that's another thing that points to how good Penrith have been. If you look at the, the teams that played grand finals against, look where South Sydney are, look where Parramatta are, how hard it is to sustain that level. Brisbane now face that challenge of trying to stay there again. That's how good Penrith are to be able to do what they're doing. But I just want, I wanted to speak about Adam Reynolds because I've heard some absurd criticisms of him this week, I think. He was busted in that one. You've got to remember, too, he could have left the field and no one would have batted an eyelid. The way he... I thought his groin... The commentators had him ripping his groin apart. I thought he ripped his labrum in the hip. It's an injury I've done before, and I thought that's exactly what what he'd done. The labrum in your hip. (laughs) Where's that, That's that's how I learned. When mine came out is when I learned (laughs) it was there. But I just think some of the plays he came up with, yes, I mean, you're always going to look at your halfback to get you home when you've got that cushion late in a grand final. But, you know, people want to pinpoint certain plays and they're talking about the, the dropouts. Predominantly, we're talking about that type of stuff. He executed the first one to perfection. It was his outside men that fluffed that and gifted a try Absolutely. to yeah, Mitch yeah, Kenny. Yeah, he executed yeah. that to perfection, did his job there. In the other instances where he was going for those dropouts, you've got to remember, it was always at a time in the game when they were up by a margin that was not going to gift two points to Penrith. Penrith weren't going to take the two points in those instances. In particular, that last one where Cleary caught it and took it out, made it out on the full 
he had a howling wind going directly into his face. So if you kick long there, it's just going to hold up. You're going to be defending your own try line anyway. They were up by four, so they're not going to take the two if you do kick it out in the full, as he ended up doing. And he was inches away from executing a play that would have been absolutely, you know, match team, probably match winning in that instance. I think he threw everything at the game, and he's some of those things that didn't quite come off. What would you prefer? Your halfback sit back and try nothing? How much would we be hammering then? I just can't believe it. And as you said, Baz, an absolutely transformative effect mm. on, on a club. That was a wooden fallen spoon, powerhouse. Yes. Wooden spoon, mm. 14th. He was absolutely... I know, and I, you can't understate the impact of Reese Walsh. I think if there's anyone that should really be under the blowtorch for the grand final, it's probably Reese Walsh. The form he was in, how important he'd been for Brisbane all the way through, didn't really have an impact on that grand final. So, I know it's hard in that first half when they had no football and he did lay on that try for, for Ezra Mann, but was out of position a couple of times and just the occasion did seem to get to him a little bit. And I think that's the big thing. That's the difference between grand finals to origins. People always go, origins, if you don't origin. With origin, you are with the best players in the game everywhere around you. You literally just have to do your job and you were thereabouts. In a grand final, the pressure's the same. The stakes are the highest. The game's usually the same pace. But you're the man in that team. You've got, instead of being a back line that has all those people, you're, again, you've got Jesse Arthurs on the wing, who I thought was just outstanding. I know you wanted to talk about some unsung heroes, Baz, but you've got different players around you. If, if Reese Walsh doesn't play to his peak in that grand final, Brisbane don't win. Queensland, it's not quite the case. He could not play to his peak and Queensland might win. It's a big difference between grand finals and origins. I think Reese Walsh, and he'll be, he'll be better for it. He's 20, what, 20 years old? Like, he's going to be, he's going to be at the top of his game for a long, long time, but for God's sake, can we ease up off Adam Reynolds? I think some of the criticism of him has been absurd. The signing of Adam Reynolds has been a resounding success. And for South Sydney not to sign him has been an abject failure. Yeah, absolutely. If they Monumental. had Adam Reynolds this year, I've got no doubts they make the top eight. Maybe they make the grand final. It's been one of the recruitment blunders of the... of You go back for however long. I spoke about it last week, yeah. Matty, when you were talking about the records they have and money and value for money and everything else. And that was a discussion at the time. Cooper Cronk sort of said he wanted more bang for buck if you were going to re-sign him. And I, compa- I look back at his career and I compared it to million-dollar players. Adam Reynolds has never been in that million-dollar-a-year discussion. He's played more finals games, won more finals games than Daly Cherry Evans, Mitch Moses, Ben Hunt. Career-wise, he has a much higher win percentage. South Sydney were thereabouts year after year after year with him as a halfback. His career at Clubland mm. actually buys and sells those blokes that I've just spoken about that are in that million-dollar-a-year conversation so very underrated I don't think one grand final that aside against what a lot of people think is the best side of the modern era you had to beat him twice and he couldn't quite do that but I think some of the criticism just unwarranted I think he's still one of the most criminally underrated players we've had of the last decade and uh, I think to, I think it's um, I don't think he got enough due really for what Brisbane did to get there and now all of a sudden the the, crit- the coin flips and he's copping the flak I don't like it ease up off him I reckon I reckon it's been like you said transformative on Brisbane and yeah he deserves all the raps well there aren't enough superlatives for Nathan Cleary but I wanted to bring up the unsung heroes of the contest and they're everywhere I mean if you go back and watch the replay it's it, there's so many big plays I just wanted to give a rap to Mitch Kenny he started the game with that sneaky play off that short dropout as you mentioned scored that try just really good rugby league smarts to know that was on and then at the end, he's a dummy half. He looks to the open, knowing full well that Cleary's on the blind. Now, that's common enough, but he, he just rifles the pass almost blind, straight to Cleary, which just gives Cleary that extra split second. Now, I know the Broncos defenders have done a lot of work and were tiring, but just gives Cleary that little extra second to then put on that stepping play to go in and score. And it's all those little things which make 
the super grand final that it was. My unsung heroes would be the two wingers, Taruva and Toto, if Toto can be unsung. But they do concede a lot of height to their opposition players, not just in grand finals, but through the big games in the back end of the season. But each time I was expecting an aerial raid to perhaps bring them undone, they handled the occasion. They stood tall, so to speak. And what they lacked in terms of aerial ability, they made up with strength and go forward. For me, Sania Toruva, Brian Toto, take a bow. Yeah, mine was... I'm going to the wings as well, and I know they didn't. They obviously didn't get the win, but I thought Jesse Arthurs was outstanding, particularly in that first half when his side was on their line, just defending, defending, defending. I thought in that in that regard, honestly, I thought all the, the back, the, back, the centres and wingers for Brisbane all did a good job in that regard Katani Staggs Farnworth everyone else but I thought Jesse Arthurs he's the last guy you'd expect to be the punching through and making those metres to get him out of trouble he did it time and time again and he was obviously taken out of the game a little bit in the second half but I thought in the first half for them to stay in it enough to score that try on half time and, and really have it on a knife edge I thought he was absolutely outstanding weird waking up this Saturday morning Tim Barrow because we don't have any elite rugby league on in Australia for 33 out of the last 34 weekends we've either had pre-season challenge or the regular season or finals footy. There's nothing this weekend, but don't worry, Mitch Jennings. Next weekend, it's back. The Pacific Championships on Fox League. What a month of uh, representative rugby league to look forward to. I'll tell you what, you can tell you're not a Bulldog supporter. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great relief to not actually have to watch rugby Malta. league. Week Malta. Week. Yeah. Malta are playing today. I can throw that. Aaron, Wollongong's own Aaron McDonald and the, Wollongong's own Elisa Janssen. Leichhardt Oval. Okay. So we've got a Blake Phillips, obviously the legendary Blake Phillips in our competition. Aaron McDonald uh, from Wollongong coaching that Maltese side and uh, Elise Janssen also coaching the women's side. So there is some rugby league on. All right, we're going to go to a break in a second, but before we do, I'm going to get our maestro Chris to soak in the NRL Grand Final highlights one more time. It goes through. He's got support, Leota. Moses Leota says we're not gone yet. The Panthers, the Premiers, the reigning champs, not ready to give it up just yet. 12 metres away. Kenny. Kenny away to Cogger. Cogger to Cleary, Cleary away to Crichton, Crichton heading for the try line, Stephen Crichton, four grand finals in a row for Stephen Crichton, and the Panthers within a try. They're five metres out, Kenny goes to the short side, Nathan Cleary, Nathan Cleary, he goes through, Cleary under the post, he has a kick to take the lead, and maybe the Panthers towards a famous three-peat. Full time. The Penrith Panthers three-peat. We've witnessed one of the most remarkable comeback games you'll ever see. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Well, that's from the greatest game of all to the ongoing horror show that is the Rugby (laughs) World Cup for the Wallabies. Uh, Monday morning, Fiji play Portugal. Portugal have got a win by eight. Fiji have got to score less than three tries. Someone's got to pass a quantum physics exam or something for the Wallabies to get through to the next round. And to clear it all up, joining us on the line is our rugby correspondent, Toby Dawson. Good morning. Good morning, boys. And look, if the mass is there, the hope is there, right? Come on. Look at the success of the campaign so far. Surely they're mate, doing it. Mate, <laughs> you need Russell Crowe in a beautiful it's... mind to solve that equation. <laughs> no, seriously, Toby, spell it out. If people are up watching this game, what needs to happen for the Wallabies to somehow fall through to the next stage? So for this to happen, uh, Fiji need to have an absolute horrible game. Portugal have to play a blinder. Um, Look, stranger things have happened, but I think 
One of the um, biggest things we've seen this week is that we've got one of the Fijian players. He's actually foregoing the funeral of his seven-year-old son. So there is a country of one million people in Fiji playing a country of 10 million people in Portugal. But I'm pretty confident that one million people are right behind this team. The passion to take this country further than they've ever been before, driven by that horrible family tragedy that's going to spur the whole team behind um, Fiji. I just can't see it happening. Sorry, Wallabies. We're I done. think we're all excited for Fiji, despite the fact that many of us might be looking through green and gold eyes, Toby. But past score, what would normally happen, Fiji playing Portugal? What, what sort of outcome would normally happen? And therefore, do we need some sort of monumental upset for Portugal to prevail? I think it would have been a bit of an arm wrestle in previous World Cups, Matty. But um, as we've touched on, since the last World Cup, we've had uh, more Fijians playing 15-man rugby than ever before at the top level. So the way that they've really come together and uh, really cemented as a 15-a-side team has you know, proven in the results that they've done. They knocked off England just before the World Cup. So I really um, think that we're going to have a pretty comfortable scoreline. It'll be equivalent to, I think, the Wallabies versus Portugal, but probably plus a bit of GST because I think Fiji are just playing a little bit more clinically. They're executing that bit better and they've just got a huge level of passion going behind them to see them rise to the quarterfinals in the World Cup for the first time in their history. Is there a C. Ronaldo in the Portugal lineup by chance, Toby? They might kick some goals. Well, they could do. And I think um, if you look at the way that Fiji played against the Wallabies, though, their work at the breakdown was, you know, second to none. They got so many uh, breakdown penalties by just being there in support, getting on that ball straight away and forcing a turnover, even when they're in defence. So I think the the, uh, Portuguese are up against it. Um, Look, we'd love to see an upset. You know, we all love to see an underdog get up, but... I think Australians, you know, there are many of our Fijian brothers and sisters living here as neighbours, as friends. I've had the joy of playing with them. They're a passionate team. They're a very well-drilled and skilled team. And it's that counter-attacking rugby, um, you know, and this speaks to probably the inexperienced Portugal. There'll be a bit of loose ball floating around. Fiji will pounce. They'll capitalise, and I think they're going to storm home pretty easily. Let's talk about what's really going on this week. The Aussies are on one of the great junkets of all time over there in France. They're, they've been training, in inverted <laughs> comments, for the week, praying for a miracle. I'm sure, uh, you know, there might be the odd bottle of wine and some of the Fijian delights over there, Toby. Yeah, I think you might be right there, Baz. I thought it was a, a little bit funny that we sent a couple of our injured boys home this week because uh, they were not able to compete in the World Cup and there was a few comments online why don't you just wait the week and jump on the plane with the rest of the boys? But um, the guys that got knocked out in the 2015 World Cup, I was listening to them not long ago. They talked about when they arrived back in the airport, some of them were hiding behind plants to avoid talking to fans and media. So um, come next Tuesday, um, I uh, expect that there'll be a few wallabies coming through Sydney International with their tails between their legs. <laughs> they'll, have to, they'll have to plant some, some pine trees or something. They'll have to wheel some in and just have a line of them. Or maybe do the Michaelia cat style and just have the, the, the whiteboard board. to follow them across. Hey, Toby, uh, drama. We love a bit of drama on Saturdays in the gong, and especially when it doesn't involve Australian teams. What's going on with New Zealand and, and South Africa in particular? Well, South Africa are up against it. Um, what's happened is... There was a uh, while the World Anti-Doping Agency had an expectation that all countries would update their uh, anti-doping laws to comply with the standards in 2021. South Africa and Bermuda are two countries that haven't, meaning that if they aren't updated by the 13th of October, 
South Africa could be ruled out of the World Cup. Now, South Africa have lodged a, uh, a um, complaint or, you know, a, a review through to WADA. So it's not over yet. But depending on how that goes, the uh, South African campaign could be over. In addition to that, tomorrow morning we're going to see a fantastic spectacle, which is Ireland versus Scotland. So at the moment... We've got Ireland sitting on 14 points and we've got Scotland and South Africa in that pool um, sitting on par. If Scotland win with a bonus point and go to 15, if Ireland win and lose with a bonus point, they're on 15, and South Africa, who are already on 15, it will come down to a points differential. But for Scotland to get to 15, uh, 15 points with a bonus point, they will have to get a points differential. That is better than South Africa. So they could see themselves exit the World Cup early. So there's been a bit of controversy lately around whether or not there's a match-fixing conversation going on between Ireland and Scotland. The drama of the Rugby World Cup in France is building. As we Drugs, match-fixing, we, we love this. Who thought rugby those would sneaky, drop those Those sneaky headlines? Bermudans <laughs> just sitting there, <laughs> you know. I'm not, not surprised doing Bermuda hasn't met WADA uh, guidelines, uh, but South Africa, yes. I'm, all over, I'm all over Ireland. <laughs> I don't know. You might be. You might be surprised to know, gentlemen, looking at me. But I'm very, very Irish in my in my heritage. So I'm jumping straight onto the. Uh, that time we you look the like Island, you're Scottish. The Island Band. No, not at all. Beard, not at all. Viking Irish heritage. Irish. I've done the ancestry. What? Everything. Mate. It's all. It's all Irish. They said you are. Uh, your DNA. Part part of your blood is a pint of Guinness. That's what you. That's how Irish you are. You are a pint of Guinness. <laughs> well, Toby, we appreciate your time, mate. Yeah, cheers, boys. But uh, look, Ireland for the win. They've got a 16 uh, wins on the trot. They've won the last game against last eight against Scotland. Scotland have had good form improvements. This can't see uh, Ireland uh, going down. So, but hopefully they can knock South Africa out. Toby Dawson on board with us every week for the Rugby World Cup. We're going to head to the news and come back talking about the Bathurst 1000. Down, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Saturdays in the gong. We're talking about the Bathurst 1000. Brody Kostecki in the Coca-Cola Camaro is the red-hot pace setter at the moment through the practice times. Joining us on the phone now is Fox Sports' Brian Vanderwacker. Good morning, Brian. A very good morning. Uh, a very good morning. From what is quite a cold about Panorama, I don't know if i got goosebumps from that uh, wonderful intro or just how cold it is here this morning. It's been a bitterly cold weekend, but better than last year, though, when we had... Four days of rain up here, basically. Tim, Brian Vanderwacker is the real king of the mountain. Brian, how many times have you been to the uh, holy grail of Australian motorsport? Visit number <laughs> what for you? <laughs> uh, great to hear your voice again, great man. Um, <laughs> look, it's my 18th trip up here this year, believe it or not. Either as a fan or someone involved in the media. So, yeah, it's my 18th trip up here. and Wouldn't miss it for the world. I was actually driving this morning, and it's one of those weekends where... You genuinely come here and you think there is actually nowhere else in the world I would rather be this weekend than right here at Mount Panorama. I couldn't care if I was in Paris or Monaco or wherever. This this is right where I want to be this weekend. You can have your 
Yeah, I fell and you're in a real grand final. This is a real grand final, Matty. Brian was up there last week. He was burying his six slabs of VB <laughs> to break open the time during, the, during the weekend. Uh, Brian, very quickly, I was watching some highlights yesterday and thoroughly enjoying them. My son walked in, who does have a passing interest in cars, and said, is that a Mustang, Dad? I said, yeah, it is, mate. He goes, do they race at Bathurst? I said, you haven't watched enough motorsport recently, have you? So for the uninitiated, people who tune in tomorrow, what sort of cars are they going to see whirring around Mount Panorama and what make is going to finish in front? A little bit different this year, Matty. We're used to the Holden V Ford battle, but this year it's Chevrolet or General Motors up against Ford. So it's the Chevrolet Camaro versus the Ford Mustang. And we've got new Gen 3 regulations this year. And what that is is basically a new style of car, a new format of car. So it's designed to produce better racing and producing less downforce. What less downforce means is that the cars uh, don't generate so much grip through the aerodynamics of their car and can sometimes produce better racing. Well, I think we're going to see that tomorrow because these cars are very loose going across the top uh, of Mount Panorama, which therefore can often lead to mistakes. And a lot of people are saying that we've got a, a new stock tyre here this weekend, which we've never used before. So if you go to a harder tyre, it's meant to last longer but not produce as much grip. A soft tyre does the opposite, gives you a lot of grip but doesn't last as long and the first time we're going to use that here this weekend and people are thinking that tomorrow because it's the first time that there's a lot of unknown and we are going to see a very wide open and great race my prediction and there's been a bit of talk about this over the last few months the whole issue of parity it's been spoken about for weeks on end if you go based off the parity it's probably likely that a Camaro will win tomorrow but due to the wide open nature look who knows who's going to win uh, who's going to win Bathurst that's the beauty of it I was going to say, Brian, can you give Ford fans any hope? They've been blowing up about parity all week. <laughs> who, who, who's the great hope if they're going to roll these Camaros? Yeah, it's, it's a good point, isn't it? Look, Cam Waters has probably been owed about the 1,000 now for quite a while, so he might be a half a chance. The Dick Johnson boards uh, have actually been quite quick this weekend, so look, they're probably, they could probably be a bit of a smoke in the pack as well. Likewise, the Grove Racing, Grove Racing Mustang, so... Um, Garth Tanner and David Reynolds were looking very good at the Sandown 500 three weeks ago until unfortunately the wheel nut came off their uh, right rear tyre and they were out in the early portion of the race. They've had a good car so far this weekend as well but typically, <laughs> I hate to put the mocker on the Ford, typically they've been a good qualifying car but they haven't had a great race car this year and if you've got a thousand k's to do uh, tomorrow it's going to be a long old day but if they're going to stand a chance, it's probably going to be between these those cars. Look, I don't know if the kickers are going to be quick enough. I said Cam Waters is owed one, but I just don't think they've got the overall race pace. They haven't had the overall pace so far this weekend either. Give us the uh, the rundown for qualifying. I mean, there's just nothing like a Bathurst qualifying in the lead-up to the race. Uh, give us the sort of the timing and the format before uh, the great race tomorrow. Yeah, so just after 5 o'clock local time this afternoon, the top 10 shootout. So the top 10 from yesterday's 40-minute uh, all-in qualifying session go through to the top 10 shootout. Basically, whoever finished 10th in yesterday's qualifying session will go out first, and then obviously 9th will go out second, all the way through to Brody Kosecki, who'll be the last car out in the top 10 shootout. It's basically simple. If you're fastest, you'll start from pole in tomorrow's great race. And like you said, it is a real theatre moment in Australian motorsport. It's very rare that drivers get the whole 6.213 kilometres of Mount Panorama to themselves, and they'll get that this afternoon. It's great drama. 
it's lovely to watch, and uh, the boys on top of about certainly loved as well. They get they certainly get into it on a uh, on a Saturday afternoon at Mount Panorama. So, Brian, for those interested in having an investment, some people only have one investment in motor racing each year, and it's Bathurst weekend. Brody Kostecki uh, was too good for James Golding in that qualifying yesterday, so the top ten shootout unfolds this evening. Give me Brian Vanderwacker's uh, favourite for the race, your dark horse, and your rank outsider for the top three, if I can give you that challenge on the spot, my friend. Yeah, that's a, that's a good challenge there, Matty. Look, I think in terms of general pace, and I hate to be boring, Brody Kostecki has been lightning quick this weekend. They've almost been in a class of their own. And to be honest, I mean, I'm, I'm probably even going to go back to 2006 and say that they haven't, they, in terms of domination, there's been no clear domination in this race until Mark Scaife and Garth Center in 2006. Their car was lightning in the early part uh, of the weekend. Uh, in fact, um, a bit of... Uh, I'll, break this to you right now. A lot of people have been wondering where Neil Compton has been this weekend. I'm actually just watching more into the paddock now. He's been a little bit uh, under the weather yesterday, so a lot of people asking where Neil Compton has been. He was a little under the weather yesterday. I can just see him walking back into the paddock now, so that'll uh, keep a lot of fans happy. Um, going back to what I was saying, though, uh, in terms of, yeah, Brody Kostecki, I think they've had an absolute dominant car all this weekend. I, I think they are definitely odds on favour to win this race uh, tomorrow. In terms of a smoky, um, oh, that's a good one, isn't it? That's a good one. Um, it's probably odd for me to say this, the Smokies. Um, but I don't think Triple Eight have actually got a great race cart, but I think they actually might be the actual Smokies, believe it or not. I reckon Jamie Winkup and Brock Feeney uh, to, to be the Smokies in the pack. I know they're often favourites, but looking at how their car's been so far this week, I don't think they're going to be the outright uh, pace setters in the race tomorrow, but if things fall their way, they might be half a chance. And for a Smokie, all right, let me have a think about that one. So giving you us your favourite, you're giving us your smoky, the rank outsider. We want the, yeah. the one that might yeah, give us sorry, some value by sneaking yeah. into the top three. I reckon James Golding, they're going to be half a chance. They are dead set going to be half a chance. They've had a great race car throughout the year, and they might just be owed one. And that's the beauty of this place. You never know who's going to win this great race, even though we've had some issues this year with Harry and things like that. But I reckon go James Golding. I know he's on the front row of the grid, but... Uh, uh, sorry, uh, second after qualifying yesterday, but... Yeah, if you want a little outsider, they're still going to be pretty odds on for, uh, for an outside chance of the podium, that's for sure. Brian, really appreciate your time. Go well up there this weekend. I'll Great be glued man. to the Great man. television uh, and uh, tomorrow. And, yeah, thanks for your insight, mate. Really appreciate it. Yeah, looking forward to it, gentlemen. It's going to be a huge weekend. All the best. Break time. We'll be back with Bang the Goal. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. The Facts of Life, the Facts of Life, Sydney 1170, Illawarra SEN Track 1575. Every week we get Pete, the perfect panel puncher from Putney, our operator here live from Wollongong Golf Club, to give us a fun fact of the week. He's been researching it, what, for days, no doubt. <laughs> Pete, what do you got for us, mate? <laughs> morning, Tim. Morning, guys. Uh, well, motor racing is the theme for this weekend, so let's go back to motor racing and 
uh, prohibition in America back in the 30s and uh, the moonshine runners were going on. And in order to get the, uh, the bootleg whiskey to and from places, they needed very good car drivers who could drive quickly, the best drivers. They'd take the seats out of the car, they'd take the floorboards out of the car, they'd fill it with the, boot, with the bootleg moonshine. And, of course, they had to out had to outrun the police as well. So this was going on, and eventually, at the same time, stock car racing started to come along. And so what we found was that the drivers who were doing the bootleg could also be uh, stock car drivers. This went along. Then along Ford, Ford came along with the V8. The, the police bought the V8 cars to catch the moon, uh, the boot, the moon run, the moonshiners. The, the, the bootleg runners got V8s as well, and they they hotted up the engine so they could stay ahead of, so they could stay ahead of the police. Um, and often this would go in on on narrow roads at night. Headlights were off, so the drivers needed to be really good. And this was going on. Prohibition stopped, but the bootlegging kept going because there was no tax on the on the bootleg alcohol. So the whiskey it kept going. And then when the first NASCAR race happened in uh, 1948, um, it was won by a former bootleg uh, moonshine runner, and Junior Johnson, one of the great NASCAR names of all time came from a long history of family with bootleggers and and, Ju and junior himself um did a year's jail after his nascar career began because he was running an illegal whiskey still <laughs> and 30 years later he was pardoned for the crime by uh president reagan but uh, uh junior johnson uh, mentioned in a bruce springsteen song C cadillac ranch junior johnson driving through the woods of caroline running the alcohol the late great jim crochet wrote rapid roy the stock car boy mentioned about the bootleggers running it as well so if it wasn't for and and junior johnson was actually quoted as saying that if it hadn't been for for, for whiskey nascar wouldn't have been formed because all the bootleg drivers when they became nascar <laughs> drivers as well they use their they use their illegal skills to become earn a legal profession yeah good we've got the Bathurst 1000 this week and next week we're gonna have the the moonshine the moonshine the moonshine is 1000 the cops and the runners out running each other across the track that's uh, another brilliant facts of life from Pete the perfect panel puncher from Puppy. yeah that's now, the best that's your best that's the best one so far now I'll put maestro Chris on notice if you can wind up the bang the gong sound effect the best and worst of the Illawarra throughout the week. I've got a couple of quick ones. The National Youth Football Championships kick off in Wollongong from Monday. The best under 14 and 16 girls, the next generation of Matildas playing here at Wynn Stadium during the week. And also to the new first grade team in the Illawarra Cricket Competition, the passionate Illawarra Cricket Club. Now, bizarre name, but I tell you what, if they're doing their best to keep players out there in first grade when clubs are folding, they're doing a good job. So, bang the gong from me, Geno. I'm banging the gong. I can't, I can't figure out, I can't figure out if, I'm, if this is negative or positive because I'm backing in a great Wollongong product. I was absolutely gobsmacked when the Gillaroos squad was named whenever it was last week. I know and, where you're going. And it was missing Tegan Berry. Now, what the hell are they on in that room? In the <laughs> Honestly, in that Gillaroos selection room, there's a look, and there's a history of the Gillaroos. To be honest, Australia A and possibly Australia B would probably win a World Cup. That's just a fact. So you're never going to get really exposed or, or shown up on poor selections. But you got Tegan Berry. She was right up in that Dalian reckoning. Had a breakout season at fullback, and you bring her in, and she's also unlike, say, the great Sammy Bremner. If you don't pick her at fullback, you're not going to put her on the wing. It doesn't fit her skill set. Tegan Berry came in this year as a proven winger. She was the highest, equal highest try scorer in NRB history on the wing. She comes in and makes a shift to fullback. I mean, she's ripe for selection. And they don't pick her. What the so, hell are they so doing? Let's and then it. on top of that, Varney Politi, absolutely warranted selection. Fantastic for the, um, for the Titans this year as a fullback option. 
Chi drops out and they bring in Keely Joseph, a lock forward. They Lead, still leave Tegan Berry out. Tegan what are they Berry, on in the jewelry room? They're kidding themselves. Leading try scorer NRLW and finalist Dallium medal uh, contender can't make the Australian team anyway. So bang the gong on that. This yeah, is fatigue and very and on the chin of the Gillaroo selectors. Uh, I picked my son up from uh, work yesterday, late on a Friday afternoon. Uh, face swollen, jaw aching, headache, infected wisdom tooth. I said, mate, you're in for a rough night, long weekend. We can't get into a dentist. I went to Fig Tree Family Dental. They fit us in. They fixed the problem. I pumped him full of antibiotics. Fig Tree Family Dental, bottom of Bellevue, Bellevue Road, Fig Tree. Outstanding service. They fixed little Toby up. Beautiful. There's nothing worse than trying to manage that for a <laughs> day or a week Dad after. Dad was panicking, let me tell you. Well, let's head to a break. Plenty more to come. Saturdays in the goal. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Back with Saturdays in the Gong. Warilla's own Adam Zampa launches Australia's Cricket World Cup campaign on Sunday up against the might of India. Matty Russell, what have we got? Yeah, every ball on Fox Cricket. I'm really looking forward to this. Overnight, Pakistan beating the Netherlands by 81 runs. No surprises there. The first game shocked me. New Zealand beating England by nine wickets. The Kiwis won for 283, crushing the Poms today. Bangladesh, Afghanistan, and later today... South Africa, Sri Lanka, looking forward to that one. Uh, Mitch Jennings, I love the draw. Ten teams, you play every team once, then semi-finals, then finals, or a final over six weeks. Very neat and tidy, very fair. Yeah, it's very neat and tidy. This simplifies it, doesn't it? I, I love it. I love the format. It's, it's, it's hard to have to know too, too much to compare it to because it's changed shape over so many years. I don't think we've seen a World Cup with the same sort of structure. But, uh, yeah, this one definitely appeals to me. Short, like Shorter, sharper, nice and neat. Get to the four. I love it. India, Australia, our first game. That'll be in front of a, a sellout, booming crowd, despite some empty stadiums so far. That will be a cracker. 7.30 our time tomorrow night, so peak viewing time. Sunday evening, uh, India, Australia, huge ratings, I hope, on the wonderful Fox Cricket. Yeah, a fair bit of weight goes on Zampa's shoulders too because they've got Glenn Maxwell in the squad, but they don't really have a lot of depth in terms of spinning. So I know Labashane's come into the squad as well. He can throw a few down, but, um, you know, Zampa's going to carry a lot on that, um, you know, spin-friendly mm. Indian pitches as well. So. No West Indies. No West Indies. No. Yet you got teams like Netherlands and Bangladesh qualifying. How times change. Yeah, yeah. Sad Shame, demise of a fallen giant. Thanks for joining us Saturdays in the gong. If you're 1170 Sydney, you can uh, stick with us on the app or the website after 9 o'clock. Otherwise, you'll have the Mowers Club with James Magnuson. Uh, we're going to be back talking NBL because the Illawarra Hawks are ready to launch their campaign up against South East Melbourne Phoenix at 5.30. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Back with Saturdays in the Gong live from Wollongong Golf Club. Well, the rugby league and AFL seasons might be over, lads, but it's just warming up for the round ball game. The Australia Cup final is on tonight to kick off the season. Sydney FC up against Brisbane Roar at the brand spanking Allianz Stadium. Joining us to chat is the Illawarra Mercury's football writer, Jordan Warren. Good morning, Jordan. Morning, boys. How are you going? 
Um, we've kicked the first goal here because Jordan always seems to have a technical issue down the phone line when we get him. And we've got him, got him <laughs> first, first goal, so there's a success. Uh, <laughs> that's a good result to start, Baz. Absolutely, mate. Uh, it's it's early season. I mean, the Australia Cup's always a little bit awkward because you're combining the NPL winter seasons with the A-League summer season to try and make it all fit and fair. Uh, the Australia Cup rolls in before the A-League season starts, but Sydney FC and Brisbane get a chance to take some silverware early on. Yeah, I think it's been a bit of bit of conjecture, the format of the Australia Cup. Obviously, we saw it last year, how they sort of ran it as a bit of a, a pre-season comp. And, of course, last season was the year that Sydney United made the final and MacArthur got the win. But uh, it's been the same again this year, just sort of to accommodate for those MPL teams to, to be able to, you know, in the, in the olden days, I guess, or more than, you know, a couple of years ago, the MPL teams had finished their season. And then, you know, three or four months later, if they're on a good cup run, then... You know they'd be they'd be having a 12-month season, so it was just a bit ridiculous for them. But I think that they've, even though that some people have kind of uh, kind of said that it was a bit the Australia Cup's now a bit of a, a pre-season tournament. I think they might have got the format pretty much spot on. And you know this Australia Cup, it's been quite entertaining. Obviously, there's been a lot of NPL teams, but even Sydney FC on their way to the final had that entertaining 10-9 shootout win over the Mariners in Wollongong, um, and Brisbane have had a couple of entertaining clashes as well. And yeah, both teams rightfully deserve. To be there, obviously Sydney FC have had a lean couple of years after that year of dominance with Graham Arnold, and then of course Brisbane Roar have got Ross Aloisi at the helm, and he's looking to win his first piece of silverware before the season starts. Was Andrew Redmayne between the sticks in that epic shootout? He, he must have been. Yeah, no, he definitely was, and it was quite interesting in that fact because we're always used to seeing Andrew Redmayne, of course, most famously saving the penalty against Peru to get the Socceroos to the 2022 World Cup, but in that game at Wollongong, he of course, saved the penalty. I think he saved two penalties, but he actually scored the winner because it was down to the goalkeepers. It was Redmayne scored the winner after the um, after the Mariners' goalkeeper missed his. So Andrew Redmayne usually saving the penalties. The the grey, yellow, red, pink wiggle they call him, whatever colour he's wearing, because he's always <laughs> dancing on the line. He's actually yep. shooting to score to to win the game for them. So he absolutely blasted it into the roof of the net in that game. So it was a it was a role reverse for Andrew Redmayne that that day in Wollongong. Got to envy a bearded man. He always got a back of red bearded man in, mate. I reckon. <laughs> is it like the goalkeeper? He actually looks like, like he a looks like you, man. He's good at it. Oh, I think he's got me covered for height a little he, bit. He, he's not fueled on Guinness like uh, maybe. Mitch I'm sure he was is. that night. He made that famous <laughs> save. So there you go. No, I think he's got me covered for a bit height. I don't think he's quite as wide, and I don't. I think he's a lot. He's a lot taller. Mind you, if you put me between the sticks, I reckon if I just stood there, they wouldn't be able to get one past me. I reckon the spare tyre would just <laughs> would keep it. <laughs> would prevent it getting through. From the uh, Australia Cup stuff to some local football, mate, it's the end of the uh, Illawarra season, obviously, but Winuna have a chance to chase some silverware of their own after winning the Illawarra Women's Premiership. Uh, they're now in the Champions of Champions competition. Yeah, there's a few Illawarra teams still in the Champions of Champions competition. It's uh, more games to go until the final, but of course the Winuna Sharkies are the, in the all-age women's. They're looking for a bit of bit of revenge after winning the, the title in the inaugural Women's Premier League, but they lost the grand final against Shell Harbour. So uh, a couple of the players have told me that they're, um, they're, they're hungry for that redemption. They, they want to win something this season, even though that they were really disappointed about that grand final, but they still believe that they're good enough to, to be the best team in the state. And they take on Tarmore this weekend at Macedonia Park. It's a massive day of, of uh, Illawarra teams in the Champions of Champions at Macedonia Park at Berkeley uh, tomorrow. There's, there's a number of junior teams. There's uh, Shell Harbour under-15s. There's the, the Bowgowney under-14s 
state champions. They won the state cup earlier this season because, of course, the state cup different for the champions. The champions, it's two different competitions. So Valley under-14s have won the state cup this season and dominated their their South Coast season and now looking to be champions of champions. But it's basically a full day of action that, that begins at 9 o'clock and then finishes at uh, well, finishes at 5, we're known as a 3 o'clock kickoff the main game. So there'd be about six games being played at Berkeley on Sunday. So it's a good day for, uh, for fans to go out and support the Illawarra teams against the rest of the state. Uh, absolutely. hope they get a good crowd down there because it'll be a fantastic uh, day of football, mate. We've got to head to the news. Really appreciate your time and we'll have you back on Talking More Football Good on you, Jordan. Good on you, boys. Thank you. Cheers, mate. We'll head to the news. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. I know she knows that I'm not fond of asking. True or false it may be, or she's still out to get me. And I know she knows the Wollongong Golf Club on a beautiful Saturday morning. Thanks to our sponsors, Avcon, specialising in industrial and response projects. Find Ryan Burke at the team at avconprojects.com.au. Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. And the Illawarra Mercury. Subscribe online today at illawarramercury.com.au. I'm Tim Barrow, joined by the Illawarra Mercury's rugby league and basketball writer Mitch Jennings and Fox Sports' Matt Russell. Let's be game What afternoon. was that play on song? What, what did you... The Kooks, naive. Okay, and and is that pertinent to this segment, or just, uh, no, just something no you like? I'm, go, I'm going away. Okay. From it's the a good way to leave me in. Yeah. <laughs> naive. Yeah. It's a great way to throw it into yeah. Mitch Jennings. We had the King of the Mountain. I thought that was That's appropriate, good. obviously, yeah. for Bathurst. But yeah, we're the just kooks. having a bit of fun with the Barrow playlist. Yeah, okay, go. very good, very good. Right, let's get to... Let's go to a kooky bloke. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you it go. is that's, a segue. That's the best they could, they could just call. Had. They could call this show the kooks. We could just rename it, couldn't we? In, in, two, in two years of uh, Saturdays in the gong, that's probably the best introduction <laughs> for Matt Campbell, the general manager of basketball. Oh, and we're getting we're, the gong as well. Getting, he's getting the gong. He deserves the gong. Good, good morning, Soup. Oh, good morning, boys. <laughs> Keep on script, will you? Gee. Oh, mate. Ah. Wild and woolly here this morning. <laughs> Made a big game this afternoon, 5.30 against South East Melbourne, uh, Phoenix, and a really good chance for the Hawks to get up and running. Yeah, too right. Um, I mean, obviously, last week we played the defending champions, two-time defending champions in the Sydney Kings, and were unable to get over the line. Um, I saw some really good signs from our team um, and didn't think we played at the level that, that we did throughout the preseason and still were competitive, so... From our point of view, we want to continue to build on that and uh, hopefully have a good showing this afternoon at the uh, at the Win Entertainment Centre here in Wollongong. Soup, I kept hearing afterwards, speaking to, to Jacob and probably with Sam Froling through this week too. I mean, the old "I think we tried too hard" is a bit of a, a bit of a cliche, and it's usually a bit of a you know a cop out when you use this type of stuff. But I thought in in this specific case, with obviously the Hawks this year coming off the the season that the club had last year, home game against Sydney. I mean, Jacob spoke a lot about, uh, you know, obsession with the, the result and the win and not so much with the process of winning. Uh, from your perspective, do you think there was, you know, a bit of a factor at play that after such a, a rough trot for so long leading in particular, those returning guys may have wanted to win too much in the real sense? Yeah, look, there's definitely a bit of anxiety around the group on the back of having such a poor year last year and, you know, on the on the back of so many injuries. And I, I think that carried over a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm also a little bit like you. I, I, you know, the excuses, we had plenty of them last year. I want to throw them out the window and, and focus on, 
you know, trying to build a culture moving forward that's a winning culture, not a, an excuse culture. And I think that's um, what we've been focused on all pre-season. And, um, you know, and I, I, and I, I probably look at it and, and go, first game of the year against Sydney Kings, our biggest game, um, you know, that's our biggest rivalry, um, you know, on the back of, you know, the anniversary of Justin Robinson hurting himself in the first game, our win point point guard. Um, there was a few factors involved that probably led a little bit of anxiety into that first game. But, you know, the reality of it is it's a 28-game season. That's one of 28 that's uh, it's done and dusted now. We've got to learn from it as a club. And, uh, and if we want to be successful, not only this year, into the future, we've got to learn how to build and, and be able to take those knocks and make adjustments on the fly, not wait until the end of the game and state the obvious. Um, got to be able to make those changes as we as we go through it and uh, I expect this week you know a big big game for us um, South East Melbourne one of the another one of the powerhouses of the league um, recruited really well they got a few injury woes at the start of the season but you know at the end of the day there's only 10 teams and they're all very very talented so if you don't turn up um, you're in for a long night and I, I've liked what I've seen in practice this week. The guys have really knuckled in. They've, they've, they've put their hand up and said that they weren't at the level that they expected they were going to play at. Um, and hopefully we see some change this afternoon. Matty Campbell, you're a 500 gamer. You're a championship winning hawk. You're the general manager of basketball. And you're part of the Saturdays in the Gong team. We'll see you back on the desk next week. But if I tap into all that basketball experience, you mentioned how the Phoenix are undermanned. No Williams injured preseason. No Cook picked up that eye injury. We don't expect him to play. Craig Moller out with a virus. So they are undermanned. How big does this game become for Illawarra? Your second straight home game to open the season. And, and the desperation for a win to get rid of the ghost from last year and launch into this campaign. How big is tonight? Yeah, yeah I mean, you've summed it up perfectly. It's exactly what it is. It's desperation times. And, you know, the reality of it is it's our grand final right now. We, we need to get the season kicked off. We need to establish that we are a good team and the belief that we are a good team. And, and that'll start this afternoon. And, you know, like you talked about, like the, the worry for me is the injured, you know, the be always wary of the wounded animal, you know, that's got a bite in them. You know, that gives other other reasons for excuses, and we're trying to eliminate all the excuses. We just want to go out and play basketball at the level that we want to play at and establish a, a style that's a winning style and something the fans really want to come and watch. Mitch Jennings, uh, you wrote a cracking feature in today's Illawarra Mercury. Now, we talk about Tyler Cook potentially not playing because of that eye injury but there's a great connection there with Justin Tatum being on the Hawks coaching staff for being the father of Jason Tatum the NBA star uh, and their, their connection from back in the US. Yeah yeah it was very very interesting story I spoke with both Justin Tatum and Tyler Cook this week about it and I can just imagine you know how big high school basketball or all types of basketball but high school basketball in the States is, is probably something we don't comprehend how, how big it is and how much people follow it and obviously the big rivalry in the city of St. Louis is uh, Christian Brothers College and uh, Charmina. Christian Brothers College being the alma mater of owner Jared Novelli and also uh, Justin Tatum and he got the job in 2013 to coach CBC did Justin Tatum a year after his son Jason who we now know as Boston Celtics superstar had started at Charminard across town uh, a year earlier most people thought you know he'd be shifting over pretty quickly to CBC but he said no I've got a connection with my mates one of them being his close mate Tyler Cook who's now obviously here at South East Melbourne they played against each other for four years so in the biggest rivalry on offer in that city you'd have a father coaching against his son time in time out. He 
mentioned that he didn't have a very good record, Justin Tatum. I think he, they got him about eight or nine times, and he got him once, but it was en route to a to a state championship. But it all culminated in, in 2016. Uh, Chaminade had a stacked side, but hadn't broken through for that for that state title, and it was their last chance to do it, obviously, as as seniors. And they hit the final four, and Chaminade had to go through CBC. So they asked Justin Tatum, you know, are you gonna, you're really going to compete and coach hard against your son? He's like, hell with that. Yeah, it's all about us. We, we want to knock him off. We want to beat him. But said it was very, uh, very interesting. But Tyler Cook, in the same year as Jason Tatum, still texts him every day, FaceTiming, all that type of stuff. So very, very close. So it was along for that ride. And now you've got this, hopefully if he does play tonight, you've got the situation of that rivalry renewing. Here's Justin Tatum trying to get one over Tyler Cook on a, on a different, in a different hemisphere, on a different continent and everything else. So it just keeps going and going and going. What a, what a story. And Matty Campbell, has Justin Tatum involved in the Hawks setup? What's his influence been like and, and having those NBA connections as well? Yeah, he's been fantastic. Um, I mean, he's obviously an ex-player. He's uh, you know, dad of an NBA superstar, brings a wealth of knowledge in that space. But, um, you know, he, he's been really good for the group. Um, you know, he, he, he's very hard, um, very defense-orientated, which, which is obviously suits the Illawarra. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's learning. He's out here to learn his craft. He wants to learn how to coach men at this level. And, um, you know, he's been fantastic for our group. And I think he's going to be pivotal for us to, to re-establish that culture, as I talked about earlier. But, yeah, the connection, I mean, it's unbelievable to think that his son is the, the NBA superstar and Jason Tatum. You know, that, that he's out in Wollongong, you know, coaching as an assistant coach, you know, picking up towels, you know, you know help fill, fill in water bottles when, you know, his son's on 35 million a year, about to be on about 100 million. So, you know, the fact that he's out here slogging it out, doing the hard yards um, is, a, is a testament to him that he wants to get better and wants to be a better coach. And, and like you talked about, the competitive nature of who he is, he wants to compete day in, day out, whether it's, you know, filling up drink bottles faster than the next guy. He's got that competitive uh, juice running through his veins and that, you know, something that's contagious within the group. Matty, as you'd be fully aware, we have millions listening on 1575 in the Illawarra and on the SEN app. And to all those ears, get to the sand pit this afternoon. It's a 5.30 tip-off, so get there with plenty of time. Make sure you fill the stands and give the team much support. In the media conference last week, Matty Campbell, we heard Jacob Jacoma say, oh, look, I'll accept some of the responsibility. I don't know whether I got the rotations, the subs exactly right. And aside from that, I need a bit more from my main men. Uh, do you think there'll be an adjustment from the head coach tonight? and how will that be reflected on court? Yeah, look, I mean, I think there will be a ref uh, adjustment. You know, obviously the reflection on the game, the review, that the process that we go through would have um, earmarked some of, the, some of the guys that weren't up to scratch. And, um, you know, I expect the, the, the shortening of the rotation a little bit, not, not, not as many subs so quickly in the first half. Um, but also, you know, AJ Johnson, the next star, has had a really good week this week of practice. You know, he's trying to fight his way into the rotation after being out for four weeks with a broken nose. Um, but the reality of it is, you know, the superstars are superstars for a reason. They need to put their hand up and go, yep, righto, this is what I'm paid to do. And come out and show that, you know, that, that, that they belong in the league, eh? But also that they can be leaders on this squad. And um, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting guys like Justin Robinson, guys like Gary Clark, Sam Froling. Um, Tyler Harvey, those guys to really stand up and, and you know, I, I'm not looking for a, a 30 points and, you know, 15 assists from people. I'm, I'm just looking for a good, solid effort where they, they're disciplined defensively um, and help out and make someone else better on the team. And um, hopefully we get that tonight. It's been spoken about all week. Um, there's no excuses. Um, they've just got to go out and do it. 
Matty, last night we saw Saar, a next star, shine for Perth. Before that, we saw Tui, a next star, shine for Sydney. Do you think we get to see AJ Johnson tonight? Yeah, look, like I said, he's had a really good week of practice. But, I mean, one week of practice doesn't give you the keys to the city. And, um, you know, the difference between Alex Starr and Tui as a next star, um, AJ Johnson has the ball in his hand um, with us in Illawarra. Completely different situation when you're, when you're learning how to be a pro. Um, when you've got the ball in your hand, you've got the responsibility of the whole team. You've got to be able to instigate our offence. You've got to be able to make good decisions. Um, and as 18-year-old kids, sometimes they need time to learn this. Um, Lamello Ball, who we had with us uh, nearly four years ago now, didn't just instantly become a superstar. He had to work on it. He had to, had to have weeks and weeks of good practice sessions before the coaching staff had the confidence in, in allowing him to run the team. So it's a bit of a different situation. You look at Alexander Starr, who plays the first seven-foot guy who can fit in and, and make an impact straight away when he hits the floor. Like I said, when, you, when you're handling the ball, um, it's a completely different kettle of fish. Um, so from our point of view, we're not going to rush him. We've got a plan. He's, he's, he's sticking to his plan as far as doing what he needs to do at practice. He'll have his opportunity in, in either... He might have it this tonight um, or this afternoon. Um, but if not, he'll get an opportunity to play. It's just about on him now to develop and, and be hungry enough to continue to evolve as a player. Don't start the keys to the city conversation, Matty Campbell. <laughs> Jesus, we're going to have to get into that again. Oh, we all know Matty Campbell's well, got only, his second... I've only yeah. got two. You've only got two, yeah. The second one's under the pot plant <laughs> in the, at the front door. <laughs> Matty, what interested uh, me, or what I was... I think what's sort of gone under the radar, we've got to the point with Tyler Harvey obviously entering the last year of that big deal that he did sign. It's... As much as we were excited about the fresh Arsenal and the new faces, what really excited me about the way the roster was put together this season was that it finally might be shipped up to to let see let us see the best of Tyler Harvey. I mean, if you, people probably forget along along the road there was obviously the Travis Trice dropping out late in one season, so you're working around that. Obviously, the injuries last season, the the efforts to get him off the ball have just the circumstances out of everyone's control, it just hasn't been able to be done. And he just looked like he was on the ball all year last year, particularly late in games. It showed up in his shooting efficiency and everything else. What struck me, and the biggest silver lining I took out of uh, the King's loss, was just how little he actually had the ball in his hands. He was able to move off the ball, get some good looks. And I think he was 5 of 10 from deep. And Justin Robertson obviously is going to find his feet. People probably aren't attuned to how much of the preseason Justin Robertson missed with some niggles. So he's going to find a little way. But did mm-hmm. you think, Matty... We were starting to see the fruits of that backcourt relationship that Tyler and the club and the Cody staff have just been crying out to give really Tyler Harvey that opportunity to, to explode the way we, we know he can but haven't seen a lot of of late. Yeah, yeah. To, to the point, 100%, Mitch, Steve, is like it's last year when we were going through pre-season and into that first game when we had Justin Robson and Tyler Harvey playing really well together. It just looked extraordinary and... You know, that was the excitement about what we were trying to build. And, you know, as you said, like, Justin's missed the majority of the preseason with some niggling injuries. And, and, and you could just see that chemistry was just a touch off um, in game one. But practice has been phenomenal. And we had Brian Gorgian's been here all week, um, you know, just uh, evaluating, facilitating practice. He's been on the sideline giving Jacob Giacoma some, some advice. And, you know, it's great to have him as part of the program. But, you know, one thing he said to me was like, man, we'd love to be able to play with Justin Robinson, get your hands ready as a shooter, because um, you know there's opportunities everywhere, and I expect that 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 um, relationship will evolve during the year, and 
continue to get better and better. And then, you know, the other thing from Justin Robinson's point of view, he hasn't played organised basketball for a year. He played in the NBA Summer League, which is a bit of a joke. Um, but, you know, the reality is he's, you know, that was the first time he stepped on the floor in organised basketball for over a year. And I expect him just to get better and better. And he's a competitor. He'll find a way to impact the game um, either, you know, by scoring or passing or, or just the defensive end of the floor. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm really excited about what this team can do. Um, we've got lots, loads of talent. It's just a matter of them coming together quickly um, and, and, and getting that monkey off their back of, of, of last year. They need to just get a win, settle, settle the nerves a little bit and get established into the season. A chance to make a big statement at 5.30 up against South East Melbourne. Tasmania, 80, beat the uh, Sydney Kings, 72 last night. And the Perth Wildcats, 82, over the Adelaide, 36ers. Before we let you go, Matty, uh, who's impressed you across the league? Well, mate, to be honest, what's, what's impressed me most is I'm standing here at Wind Stadium, not far from you blokes, and I'm looking out to the ocean. These whales jumping and splashing everywhere. I mean, how lucky are we in the gong? That's almost uh, banging the gong material from, from Matty yeah. Campbell. It's, it's, it's unbelievable out there, boys. Like, there's about six or seven <laughs> of them jumping, flashing. It's like, it's pretty crazy. Um, look, look. I mean, the season's just started. You know what's been really impressive about the start of the season for me? There's only one team that's undefeated. <laughs> and we're only week, we're only into mm. week two. So, you know, the reality is that this year is going to be super tight. Um, I thought the Kings were good against us. I thought they were very ordinary last night against the, the Jack Jumpers. Um, I think Perth have been rolling pretty well. I like Star. He's a good fit for him. The next star, um, the other imports done really well as well. And you got Bryce Cotton. Um, but yeah, it's such an early time in the season. Um, I'm looking around, going with the ten very, very good teams, uh, and I'm not sure who's who's going to be in the finals. And that's exactly what you want to see at the start of the season. You want to see an opportunity for everyone to be. Um, thereabouts, um, and it's going to be that team that can get a bit of consistency that'll be there um, when we turn into finals in March. Matt Campbell, enjoy your whale watching and enjoy the game. <laughs> See you at there tonight, mate. See you there tonight. Win Entertainment Centre, the Illawarra Hawks up against South East Melbourne Phoenix. Make sure you get down there to cheer on the Hawkies. We're going to come back, go from basketball to football Saturdays in the goal. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Saturdays in the Gong. We're back live from Wollongong Golf Club. Let's get back to Rugby League, lads. We spoke about the NRL Grand Final and the incredible benchmark that Penrith set that Brisbane all but conquered. But let's bring it local. St George Illawarra, Shane Flanagan comes on board. Doesn't quite have a clean slate. He's got a fair bit of work to do to get through it. But what turns them from the also-rans that they were this year into, if not obviously a premiership contender, a finals contender next year? Well, certainly not Tyrell Sloan injuring his ankle in the Curry knockout, no. syndesmosis injury requiring surgery, which sets back his pre-season, Mitch Jennings. That's not what leads them up the ladder next season. Yeah, it's certainly not. And it's that was the interesting... What becomes interesting about that is, will someone else emerge in that fullback spot? Shane Flanagan's spoken 
often about and he, and he oh, was at the, the Dragon's Way breakfast he spoke about a, he outlined a bit of a vision you know a couple of weeks back and one of the things he wanted to do was really you know have people around that fullback spot to really put some pressure on Tyrell Sloan and, and make him find another level because he's competing for that spot well it's going to be hard to do that if he's missing sort of large chunks of it I think he'll miss mostly that hard training block pre-Christmas I don't think mm. it'll, he should be back and I don't think it'll affect too much once they start getting their, their hands on the ball uh, freakishly fit Tyrell Sloan when it comes to the running and everything else it's <laughs> He's out of this world with that, so I don't think it'll affect him too much. But he, I think Tyrell Sloan is certainly, Flano would have liked Tyrell Sloan to be getting a full, uninterrupted preseason behind him. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an early setback. It's not what is, is Zach Lomax genuinely a chance to wear number one round one, or is this talk just to put pressure on the incumbent Tyrell Sloan to go to greater heights in the offseason? Or is it a realistic chance that Zach could play one come round one? I think it's a very realistic chance that he could play one come round one. It was a very, it was a very brief experience, experience under under Mary of, for a number of different reasons back then. But he had played a, prepared for a whole preseason to play fullback. If you ask uh, Zach what his preferred position is, it is fullback. And there's all sorts of factors and all sorts of reasons why it would be beneficial if he could find form at fullback. Because you've got to remember, this is a guy that's on 700k plus, and he's there till the end of 2026. So if you get a guy like that who's taken up a fair chunk of your salary cap to be performing and flourishing in one of those key spine positions, I mean, that ticks a lot of boxes for you. So I'm not surprised that there'd be that push. He's elite fit, Zach Lomax. He's got the attributes to, to be a fullback. He's very, very good in the air. We know all the things. He's got the attributes to make it work. And in the absence of being able to go to the recruitment market, I know Flano is looking at fullbacks in the recruitment or outside back, someone who could probably play in the centres or fullback in, in the way Zach Lomax can. But I think it, it ticks a lot of boxes just by having him. There's no, it doesn't hurt to have a guy preparing to play fullback in the preseason that he can then still throw him on the, in the centres and he's an elite centre. So, But abs- to answer your question, I think absolutely 100% he's a legitimate chance of wearing the number one come round one. Baz, would you have the captain as Ben Hunt or would you go with Blake Laurie, their reigning player of the year now? Yeah, I would go Blake Laurie without a single hesitation. I mean, Ben Hunt's agitation to leave... Yeah, obviously, there's more conversations going on internally than what we know about. Shane Flanagan's no doubt done a lot of work to try and appease him, even talking about putting more training sessions and, and more effort into staying in Sydney so that they're not making the daily effort to come down to Wollongong. And I want to touch on that a bit further in a minute. But to me, after everything that's happened, if Shane Flanagan wants a clean slate and to start building, you find another captain. Let Ben Hunt go and do his job. That's fine. But... If Blake Laurie is the obvious answer, and I would imagine he is, given how outstanding he was in a really you know, ordinary team last this year, um, yeah, I wouldn't hesitate. But uh, Mitch, who have they bought and who might they recruit between now and season kickoff? Well, there's not a lot out there. Flano's sort of said that on record. There's not there's not a ton out there, but I think he's looking to bolster a bit everywhere. A front rower, an edge back rower, and like I said, an, an outside back. I think he's also interested in looking around at dummy half options. Uh, but that might depend on what is out there, whether like a Conor Mulheeson might get a new deal. He's off contract this year, so I don't think we're going to see huge moves in the play market. There's just not a lot out there. Uh, so I think it's going to be largely trying to get the best out of a roster that they have. There's a number of guys that have been told they're, they're free to look elsewhere, but whether they can then... F- they're under contract for, for 2024, but whether they can actually find another home that uh, you know is suitable for them to go to, he, he might end up with some of those guys that were free to look elsewhere that stay. So I, I don't think we're going to... We're certainly not going to see any uh, you know, marquee recruits, I wouldn't think. Uh, stranger things have happened. I think as a recruiter, as a coach slash recruiter, Shane Flanagan's probably one of the absolute 
best out there. He's always been good at that. It was a strength of his at Cronulla. So you wouldn't rule out him pulling off some, some recruitment coups, but I think most of the effort's going to be centred on getting the best out of, of what he can. I, I'm with you on, on Ben Hunt, Baz. I think he can't be... I just think he can't be the captain. Yeah, You've got a guy sitting there, I don't want to be here, I w- saying, I will be out of here at the very first opportunity, whether yeah. it comes 24, where it comes 25. I think... It's a different matter. Getting him to perform and play week to week, to me, is completely different, separate from the captaincy issue. And I think that's a no-brainer. Blake Laurie, for mine, player of the year. I reckon he should be in origin contention. You might call me silly for saying that. I think he'd be like a Nate Miles or someone like that, that the hardness would get to that arena and he'd flourish and find another level. But with Ben Hunt, the thing, what I like about the way Flano's approaching the Ben Hunt thing is that he, he's not, at no point has he tried to pretend it's not an issue. You'd see a lot of coaches in that thing going, oh, look, it's a beat up, look, it's not an issue. And it's very hard for him to do that when Ben Hunt's coming out in interviews and saying, I don't want to be. Yeah. But uh, he sort of said, trust me. He's asked for fans to, to trust him on that, to get the best out of him. I know he said, look, Ben Hunt's going to have an extended break after the, the test matches are over. He said he won't recognise the joint when he comes back. And But the reality is a lot of people sit there and say, you know, I'll oh, just get rid of him and let's put a young bloke in there that wants to be there. Well, how good are they going to go? I mean, a Dragons fan's going to just accept accept that all year. Yeah. I don't think so. I think at the moment they're in a situation where there's no real marquee halves on the market, so it's it's still in your best interest to get the uh, Ben Hunt not fully committed, playing to 80% of his best. He's still at this point probably better than anything that's available out there on the market. So doing that for 2024. Uh, certainly is what looks likely to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're not if the club moves to a point where they're not even trying to keep Ben Hunt for 2025 because they can't be in this environment mm. for two years. I reckon if you look mid, they'll be trying to actually offload him and say, let's get rid of this. I don't want this issue dragging on, but only if they can find a, a suitable replacement. Wouldn't it be funny if in 12 months it's flipped between the Dragons now trying to get rid of Ben and him not having an option saying, no, actually, I want to stay, but they've lost. Uh, Already or coming up, Josh Kerr, Moses M. by Zane Musgrove, Jaden Sullivan, Aaron Woods. They're getting, at this stage, Kyle Flanagan, Harme Sele, Baz. Yeah, well, I mean, Kyle Flanagan is that safe sort of backup option who can do a job for you at 7 or at 14. I mean, he, he's had his criticism at the Bulldogs, but at the end of last season and in spurts this year, he has done a job. And, and father and sons are working okay in the NRL they at the moment. They certainly are. Well, the grand final's the, the perfect <laughs> Absolutely. example there. I, I just want to touch on... The issue of culture around the joint venture clubs. So the West Tigers are a basket case. They've got no identity. They're in civil war at board level. All sorts of problems. Changes in coaching. Everything that's happened in the past few years. They're anchored to the bottom of the ladder. St George Illawarra aren't far above them. Now, the issue I've got, in, and people will take this as a St George versus Illawarra thing, that's fine. But you need an identity. And part of that identity was being based down in Wollongong. You've got a $50 million high-performance centre coming to Wollongong and if they're going to start splitting the training between Sydney and Wollongong again I'm just concerned that you know whether there's clicks in the group you've got that lack of identity about being based at one and the other I just think St George Illawarra needs some really clear direction given that that high performance centre is coming I had the same I had the same initial reaction to it Baz but hearing Flano speak about it and actually seeing what the outline is going to be I'm a fan of it to be honest because they're going to be at Cogra on Fridays once a week during pre-season. Which they've done that. Which they've done that before. They do that in-season when they're playing interstate or New Zealand games. They train there, then get straight on a flight. They're still going to be down here. That $50 million centre of excellence isn't going to go unused or sort of become a white elephant. So they're still going to be there. But Flano obviously gets the club. He was a St George player. He's very, very good mates with Mark Coyne and some other guys from way back in those St George days. I think he wants to get that brand 
firing again and make it. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I've always found with the joint venture, this whole trying to make, trying to not mention the war on either. I think they should celebrate St George. They should ce celebrate the Illawarra Steelers as separate entities and still realise it's part of the collective history. I, I, I reckon I like the way he's approaching that. It's still going to Illawarra is still going to be the heartland. It's still going to be where all the the juniors are coming from, the South Coast. It's why. They're putting their primary base smack bang in the middle of what their, their mm. catchment is. So I'm with you, Baz. I thought initially, I thought, oh, what are we doing here? And I think it was pitched that way because I think, you know, we in the media, Baz, we're, we're aware of the, the fault lines that exist between the two separate fan bases. So anything, well, that's going to fan some flames. But I think it's just a move back towards embracing that history because it, it was gone. Anthony Griffin, not to just bag a bloke, he's already gone, everything else. The connection to past players of the club wasn't there. I've spoken to several that are around and saying that's already in a bit of more people involved. Look at there's presentation more night. There's more dragons involved. Exactly. There was, and there was certainly a click in the group under Anthony Griffin between the old Queensland players that had played from there. He brought it. It was in the effort to bring in experience and buy some time to go into the recruitment. So I can see the, the method that was in the plan. But there was a very definite click between uh, the, the, the Sydney-based group and the Wollongong-based group. They had the same sort of thing. There were a lot of Sydney-based players under Paul McGregor. And that was as much as the, the success waxed and Wayne. That was a very connected, happy group. You just get a vibe when you're down there as often as I am to see what it was like. And that was with James Graham, Jason Nightingale, Jeremy Lattimore, Ben Hunt, those guys jumping on the on the minibus and coming down together all year. Moses Embiid in that click. Mm. And they came down and had a lot of fun. They bonded over that and came down to Illawarra. So it, it can work for you and against you. I don't mind the plan. of I, I really don't mind being back at Cogra once a week through pre-season. Do you want to jump over to the Super League very quickly? The other Saints... St. Helens, World Club champions by beating Penrith at the start of the year. They will not be playing for a fifth straight They're Super out. League title. They'll be knocked out by Catalan Dragons. If you've ever been to the south of France, man, I'll come to you in a moment about that because here are the team or the Aussie players that listeners might recognise. Adam Kieran is in the Catalan team. Tyrone May, the former Panther. Mitchell Pearce has been part of this campaign. You scan down the list and find the likes of others. I saw... Um, the likes of Siwa Kapiahu, Matt Ikavalu, uh, Manu Ma'u, the former Parramatta edge forward. So well he's, done, he's scary. Manu Catalan Ma'u. Dragons. They're into the grand final next week. St Helens, their season is done. South of France, would you like to go and play rugby league there? Could ask Tarek Sims. He's off to Catalan Dragons as well go. after finishing up. So I think he'll go down there and they'll enjoy their time there. You've got to enjoy it. You'd have to enjoy that, Matty. I would have thought it was always... Uh, you know, an appeal of joining Catalans mm. if you're from here. You know, you always talk about seeing the world. Maybe take a uh, Australian <laughs> rugby chairman, Hamish McLennan, going, oh, you can see the world. Well, how about we go and play in the south of France? You'll see say, the world there. They might be able to take some tips from some Wallabies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They might be able to. I reckon if you throw Mitchell Pearce, Matty Cavallo, those guys in the Wallabies, they might go better. They're over there. Yeah. Throw them in. Draft them in. Righto, boys. We've got to squeeze a break in. We'll come back and see if we can find a winner on the track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Bit of Fratelli's for your Saturday Are we talking morning? darts? Are we called talking darts in this segment? <laughs> well, I'll be throwing darts at the form guide this afternoon. I can't wait for the darts to come back. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah. I love the darts. Back next year. Back, back next, next year, year again. How good. Home of darts in Australia. I've got to make it happen next year. I've missed the, these two, and I've got to make it happen next year. Uh, Group 1 Turnbull Stakes Day at Flemington this afternoon. Let's see how good the Hong Kong horse Romantic Warrior 
is with James McDonald aboard. You can get about $2.30 for that. I'm going to give you two for Baz's best. I'm going to go to the Hill Stakes. A big day for Montefilia, formerly owned by Winuna's Hugh Doherty. They got to the Melbourne Cup last year and then sold her off. She's with Chris Waller now. I think with Nashrilla aboard, uh, Gate 2 will just find a nice spot. Is a $3.80 favourite. Probably a big decision. If she wins today, probably goes down south and finds maybe the Caulfield Cup uh, again. And my other is an each-way value Banana Queen. Got a tricky gate in the Niverson and Rose Hill over 1,200 metres can be a punish trying to get across. But if it does, the $23, I think, good each way value there. Race nine this afternoon, number six. Mitch Jennings. You haven't missed of late. I'll tell you what, getting on your tips there. You want to be on Baz's yeah, best. I hope Baz's you loaded best. up on Airman last week. I was a little bit down for the day and then went to Wooshka in the get out. <laughs> Had him in the get out, exactly. Outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm staying close to home, Baz. I like in the second over 15 at Kembla Grange. Kerry Parker's ramble on a chance there. I thought finished really strongly for fourth last week, resuming, I think, with the extra 100 metres and just a little bit of a drop in weight. I think red-hot chance there. And you're getting about $3.90, and it's a, obviously being in the second, it's a great way to get your ball rolling early on in the day. It would be remiss of us not to mention Kembla Grange, eight-race card this afternoon, the first jumping at 1.35. So get out to Kembla if you've got a spare afternoon. It's a cracking day. My brother's football club or soccer club is headed to oh. Kembla Grange today Sounds for their dangerous. end of season get together. Uh, I don't think they'll be sitting sitting around singing hymns. So good luck to the boys as they let their hair down at Kembla Grange this afternoon. Uh, given I'm sitting beside a couple of stars, I'm going with a Cornella race for Sydney. Extravagant star and away to the stars. There's a there's a bet that fits this club, Geno, isn't it? Extravagant oh, star. You can't. Please tell me you're not reading it out the of the stars. Mitch Cohen form. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> please I'm tell not. me you're not. No, Mitch Cohen. Actually, <laughs> Mitch Cohen has gone with um, Stanislaus in that oh, race. Okay, great friend of the show, obviously. But he's but he's backed or he's tipping extravagant star and way to the stars yeah. to round out the minors. Yeah. But I'm going one two Quinella box Quinella. You right. missed, missed the jump. Uh, extravagant stars actually scratched for okay. Rose Hall this morning. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you missed R- the kick. The I tell you there what, you go. Off that's to a, a good off start. To a Matt's flyer. mock. Matt's mock. Good thing you checked that. <laughs> right, well, with that. So there you go. And that's emblematic star. of it all. The signs hit the deck as well. It's, it's all, all the wheels are coming off. I'm butting out here. Nathan Cleary, we called him earlier on. He was going to get us home. We're dead set. <laughs> we've, we've got a horse down. not even starting. You're having a poor carriage to finish, I tell you what. Right, boys, let's go. One more break and we'll be back to wrap it up. New player in town Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Many thanks to our sponsors, Avcon, specialising in industrial and response projects. Avconprojects.com.au to the Wollongong Golf Club. Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. And my employer, the Illawarra Mercury, illawarramercury.com.au. We're a lover of all sports here at Saturdays in the Gong. Mitch Jennings, one of your many hats, is the sweet science. What's happening? Oh, we've obviously got the battle on the reef tonight, which will have plenty in there for the casual because it's mostly headlined by the footy players. Jason Taumalolo against Regan Campbell. Gillard, Junior Paulo against Ben Hannant. Asafa Solomona taking on Jared Wallace. And uh, a throwback, we've got Justin Hodges taking on Matt Cooper. That's been a long time coming. Oh. That stink. Obviously, Matt Cooper's um, entry into the combat sports world has sort of been a while coming as well, but I know he's seen him down there. He still looks pretty fit. He hangs around down freestyle MMA a fair bit, so that'll be interesting. But the... Uh, 
the headliner, obviously, Paulo Acusa, the, the rising superstar, taking on Gabriel Omar Diaz. To be honest, at this point, I'd like to see Acusa start taking a few more risks and, uh, you know, a bit better competition. He was always on this mission to, to get to a world title quicker than Jeff, Jeff Fennick, who's obviously the quickest... Uh, ten, he won in his tenth fight, uh, Jeff mm. Fennick. So, but there's plenty of fights on offer there. It'll be interesting to see how he goes. But yeah, plenty there Where to see. Where is Battle of the Reef? Uh, it's up there in the north. It's up in Cairns. That makes sense. So that, that's why they're calling it Battle on the Reef up and, there. And, and Tavita Pangai Jr. Of course, making oh. his his much a weight. Well, it's not his debut. He's been in there before, but his his debut essentially as a as a full time boxer. So it'll be interesting to see how he Who's goes. Who's he fighting? Uh, I can't I can't recall the name. Okay, <laughs> okay. I that no worries. I, I, I think. I do think, with all, due, with all due respect, I think this is going to be a case of Dredrick Tatum and the opponent, right, <laughs> as we right. see What's walking the height in there. and read it, reach advantage for Big Nelson against Jared Wallace? That, uh, significant, I would suggest. It would be significant. I think there'll be a lot of clinching in that <laughs> one, but it'll be huge. But I tell you what, I am actually, here's a tip for you. I'm going to be backing Jared Wallace in that one. You're mad. Uh, I'm going to back him in that one, I, I think. I would not be stepping into any <laughs> ring with the Sofa Solomon, my word. Uh, thanks to our guests, Jordan Warren, Brian Vanderwacker, and Toby Dawson. Thank you to Matt Russell. Thank you to Mitch Jennings. Saturdays in the Gold, 8 to 10 a.m. every <laughs> week. We'll be back again next week.